You're listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast, a recording of the Sunday morning service at Hill City Church. We would love to have you join us in person. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church. Good morning. Uh, we're, in the, we're just starting a series. We're calling it Good News People. Another term for good news we like to use around here in the church is the gospel, right? The good news, the greatest news that has ever been told, the greatest account that drastically changed human history in one single moment of time. But the reality is for most of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, the gospel isn't good news. Not because it's not good news, it is, but we definitely don't live like it is good news. Because if we lived like it was good news, we'd be telling everybody. We want everybody to experience what we'd have experienced. And that's really what this, the, the premise of this whole series is about. It's like, how do we make the good news the good news again? How do we genuinely believe that it radically transformed our lives? How do, we, how do we believe that it has the power to completely change another person's life? So for the next six, week, six weeks, we're going to talk about the gospel. We're going to talk about what Jesus had done and how does that impact and change our lives? How does it increase a love for Jesus that we didn't have before? And hopefully we come out of this series um, ready to be the people, the good news people. That no matter where we go, whether it's work or with our family or in our neighborhoods or, or with you know, a, a club or, or a group of people that we meet on a regular basis, wherever we go, we want people to experience this good news. Because here's the truth. If we really believe this to be good news, we wouldn't have to be trained on how to, how to present it, right? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Avalanche fan, a Colorado Avalanche. We won the cup two years ago. We're going to win the cup again this year. We're looking really good. But you know what I don't need when the Avs win the cup? I don't need to sit in a course or in a class and then explain to me, hey, be, have, this is how you be excited about what they did. No, I'm just excited about it. I want to tell people. My team is the Stanley Cup champions. Finally, after 20-something years. Right? I, don't have to, I don't have to build that up or, or create a, a fake facade. It's genuinely exciting news. The gospel should be genuinely exciting news. It should really, it should really uh, just come out of us in every orifice as we possibly can because it's just, it's just get, trying to get out because it's so exciting. And that's what we want to get back to. Or maybe for some of us, get to for the first time. How do we get the gospel back to being good news? If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 today. We'll get there in just a second. But the gospel goes all the way back and starts in the beginning of, of human creation. Right? We see that, that God created humanity, created you and me, to be in deep relationship with him. We see all the way back in Genesis 1, we, we, we see Adam and, and, and God walking through Eden, fully being known, fully exposed, fully themselves. He got to experience, Adam got to experience God, to love God and be loved by God in that type of relationship. But for love to be genuine, for love to be true, a choice had to be presented. And that's what got presented to Adam and Eve. It was a choice to, to not eat of the fruit. They chose to eat of the fruit. And sin entered the picture and created the separation and divide between us and God. And I think a lot of times when it comes to sin, that, that we go like, well, if, if I just do enough good things, I can outweigh my sin. It's just wrong thinking. Sin is that destructive. 
It's that disgusting, it's that dirty in our lives. But oftentimes we try to clean it up just a little bit so I feel better about myself. But that's not what sin really is. And sin isn't just a, a, a list of rules that God just arbitrarily put together and said, this is what sin is, today I declare. No. Sin are the things that destroy relationship between us and God. Sin are the things that destroys the unity of believers. Sin is the thing that, that causes harm where we go and, and, and participate in this sin. No matter the sin. And sin is so devastating and so heavy that the only thing that could wipe it is life had to be given. We see all through the Old Covenant, before Jesus came on the scene, it was blood shed. And that blood had to be perfect. It had to be without blemish. And God looked at humanity and said, this needs to stop once and for all. But the sheep and the goats and, and, the, and the cows are no longer capable to complete what I need to be completed. And he looked at humanity and said, I don't see anyone pure enough. I don't see anyone without sin. So I'm going to send Jesus. And he sent himself to live a, a life just like you and I live a life fully God and fully man. And eventually he was accused and he was sentenced to death. His accusers sent him to death because they were worried they were losing their power and they had to get rid of this guy. But God knew something was greater. That there was a bigger plan at play. And Jesus went to that cross. And he let his, his, his hands be nailed in. And he let his feet be nailed in. And he decided he was going to be the sacrifice. He took your sin. He took my sin. He took it on himself and he became that sin. And he was going to die for it. I don't know about you, but dying for another seems like a pretty big deal. I don't think I have the ability in me to do it. But God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he sent his son, even when you were still sinning and spitting in God's face. He said, I'm going to save them. I'm going to give them a way out. And Jesus took his last breath and he died for you. He died for me. He, he took the shame and the guilt so I wouldn't have to experience it. He took the ugliness of my sin so it's like he committed it himself so I wouldn't have to be guilty of it. This is what my Jesus did. He took his last breath. It says the earth shook. The, the, it went dark outside. The, the curtain tore on the... It was a moment in time that shook everything because a Savior was just crucified. Now the beautiful thing about the Jesus story is though his, his captors and his accusers probably cheered, God wasn't playing the same game. So he conquered death to prove that his kingdom is greater. There's nothing we can do 
I can't be good enough. I can't be religious enough. I can't practice enough to find that salvation other than that salvation through Jesus. Jesus tells if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he died and rose again, that you shall be saved. That you're back restored in relationship, back to the original plan that God had for his creation. That I can know my God and my God that can be known fully by him. But more than that, I get to experience grace. My salvation isn't just for the next life. My salvation is for here and now. It's for today. The beautiful thing about what Jesus did on the cross is when I screw up, I get to get back up. And when I screw up again, I get to get back up again. And I can get back up as many times as I possibly need until I get it figured out because Jesus took care of the punishment for me. That my sin no longer defines me. That my past is no longer the image of me. That I get to live new in full freedom under Jesus' grace because his sacrifice. That is the gospel. That is the good news that Jesus came to earth to die for our sins. So we can experience everything he has for us in an eternity with him forever. The beauty of the gospel. We want to get back to falling in love with this story. We want to get back to falling in love with what Jesus has done for us. Because the reality is, if we were honest, we would probably look at the story and say, I know the story. I can recite it back to you. But in all honesty, it doesn't really change my life. And this is a story that should have the power to radically change everything about your life. This is the piece that redefines you. This is the piece that changes the operating system. This is the, this is the thing that, that it changes your trajectory completely. And we can sit as Christians, those that call Jesus Lord in our little holy huddles and keep it for ourselves, but that was never the point and that was never the plan. Now the good news should be shared. The good news should be brought to anyone that's willing to listen, to give them an opportunity to respond. But it starts in our heart. It starts that we really love this thing. Do we really love this person? Do we really believe that Jesus radically transformed and changed our lives? Do we really believe the gospel to be true? Do I really believe that Jesus did die for, for my sins? Do I really believe that he conquered death so I could do the same? Do I really believe this to be true? Or is it just something I give lip service to? Is it something when someone brings it up and go, oh yeah, yeah, I believe in that. But has it had an impact? Has it made a change? Over the next six weeks, I think God is, is in store of doing something. I woke up at like 2.30 this morning, wide awake. It was miserable. I laid in bed for a little while trying to go back to sleep. Couldn't do it. So I decided just to get up. And then I came here and started to work on, on the rest of the message. And then the verses all changed. And it was a brand new message this morning. But there's this weird tension. I told Mike as he came in today, I was like, that's probably one of the hardest messages I've ever had to write. Not because the content was difficult. It's the gospel. And not because 
you know, the, 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 the weight of, uh, of the importance of what's going on. But there's like a tension going on of like, the enemy doesn't want this preached. The enemy doesn't want to see Hill City grab a hold of the gospel as it truly is and take it into our neighborhoods and take it into our workplaces and take it into our families and take it into these places because he knows the impact it can have. Remember, the church today started with 12 guys. Technically 13 guys. One guy got kicked out. <laughs> but such a small little beginning can have such a drastic impact if we choose just to internalize it. Let it become real to us. Why we talk about knowing God. Right? Not just knowing God, having an idea of God, but knowing Him. If that was true of our lives, we'd want others to experience it. I came in this morning, the last thing I wanted to do was preach. That's what I wrote in my journal this morning. God, I don't want to be here today. I don't want to do this. This job sucks. doesn't even pay well. doesn't pay at all if you're curious. <laughs> but as I spent time with Jesus this morning, and it started really ugly and really rough, and as I spent more time with Jesus and, and really started to, to let the gospel just come over me, I wish I grabbed my journal, I didn't, but it ended with something like, Jesus, you died for my sins and that's enough. It's enough. You could do nothing else and that's enough. You died for me, that's enough. Regardless of how this life turns out, regardless of how difficult or how easy it is, he died for my sins and that's enough. He pursued me so I could call him Lord, that's enough. But do we believe it to be enough? Let's look at what Paul has to say about it to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. <coughs> Sorry. The verses will be on screen. Hopefully you can read them because we were told they're hard to read. But we were told, uh, Rachel told me that. But I think Rachel's eyes are just going bad. <coughs> uh, verse 1. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sin." in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. When you're in the ugliness of everything, when you were saying, screw you, God. Sure, maybe you weren't saying those words out, but your actions were, were screaming them from the mountaintops. God, my way is better than your way. I don't need you. But save, my, save me real quick. Verse 3. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires, or, or following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving the wrath. The wrath of God is still real. Without Jesus, it's still present. And one day judgment will be coming for those that choose to, to walk away from God or not choose to call him Lord. They're going to get every opportunity and every chance in this life. Jesus is going to do miraculous miracles and do crazy things. Even when you're like in, in those places where the gospel could never be preached, something like a Muslim country. Muslims are having dreams about Jesus and coming to know Jesus. God will reach you and give you every opportunity to say yes. But while you're in the midst of that, and in the ugliness of it, we have to remember where we'd be if we didn't come to know 
what the gospel was and choose to accept it. For many of us, I, I think we've come to know Jesus in our homes and, and early on in life. It's really difficult to look back and see what it had been like before. I was 10 years old, 12 years old. But I can't imagine what I would have been like if Jesus wasn't a part of the picture. I see my sinful and my flesh still showing up today. It'd be even worse and at a greater scale. It'd be more selfish and chasing power. <coughs> but in the midst of that ugliness, verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ with every, even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated with us, or seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages we might show the, the incomparable riches, incomparable riches, I can read, of his grace expressed in kindness in Christ Jesus. Not only is he saving us from the destruction of our sin, not only is he saving us from the wrath to come, but he's calling us heirs. He calls us sons and he calls us daughters. He brings us into the family and into the fold. He makes us whole with him by none of our own doing. Didn't do anything right. Don't have to do enough good things. That it's by grace and by grace alone that I find my forgiveness and my salvation because of the death of Jesus Christ. This is the beauty of the gospel. By grace, I get to be called heirs to the throne. By grace, I get to sit with Jesus and rule alongside of him. By grace, I get to live in this life and get as many chances as I possibly need. By his grace, I get to have a purpose and a meaning to help others experience the things that I've experienced. It's by grace that I get to be in a country that gives me the opportunity to worship him freely without worry or without threat. It's by his grace that I can pay my bills and keep a roof over my head because he just loves me enough to take care of me. It's by grace that I get to be called saint and not just a sinner. I did nothing to deserve it. The only reason I have it, because of his great love for us. He wanted to provide a way. And he went for it. Letting your son die in the place and fulfilling the law so we didn't have to go through the same rituals. Tearing down the, the curtain so the Holy of Holies we have now have access to through the Spirit. This is what Jesus did. This is what he provided for us. This is what we now have if we call him Lord. In verse 8, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. Not by works that, any, that no one can boast, for we are God's handymen or handiwork. created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared for us in advance to do. 
because of his great love for us. We're going to spend the next six weeks really digesting what does that great love really look like? How do we let the gospel have such an impact and radically transform and change who we are? If you're not spending time with Jesus, I'd highly encourage start spending time with Jesus. And I would challenge you with this. For the next five, seven days, sorry, there's seven days a week, in a week, not five, until next Sunday, read these verses. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you can ask these questions of Jesus and of yourself. God, what am I not believing about this truth? What about these pieces am I just not believing? Sure, I believe them intellectually, but if I actually believe them, my behavior would follow suit. So where in my life is my behavior not lining up with that, not lining up with the fact that, that you love me, not lining up with the fact that you save me, not lining up with the fact that you've called me to more? Second question, how am I embracing and showing the grace given to me? How am I embracing and showing the grace given to me? When you sin, you ask Jesus for forgiveness, but that doesn't feel like enough, so you beat yourself up a little bit. That's just pride. That is just as, as, as bad as the sin itself. He's saying, Jesus, you're not enough. I have to do more. I have to feel guiltier. I have to put myself through penance because your grace was not sufficient for my sin. It's not enough repentance for me. When we ask, he forgives. That's who he is. There's no sin I can commit that Jesus isn't greater than. There's so no sin I have committed that Jesus' sacrifice isn't greater than. And the last question is this. What good works am I being asked to live out? What good works because of the gospel am I being asked to live out? That'd be a question you'd be asking Jesus, of course. But I think there's power in God's truth. There's power in us coming to him and seeking Jesus, I really want the, the gospel to be the good news that it really is. I want it just to ooze out of me. I want everything I do to be defined by that truth. And I think he's going to honor it. I think with that request, he's going to honor it. And he's going to walk you through those, those verses over and over again. And each day, he's going to bring something out and point something out else to you. And you're going to be a different person seven days from now. Now you're going to be a different person seven days from now because there's going to be things that are going to have to die. Right? More Jesus means less of us. There's going to be things that are going to have to die. Desires, dreams, wants, behavior, um, 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 the order of your life, habits. So that was the, I don't know why habits is such a hard word. <clears throat> but there's going to be things that Jesus would be like, stop doing that and do this instead. Or stop doing that altogether and just sit in my grace, knock it off. I think this is the start of something. I think God is up to something. And I think we're going to be a changed people six weeks from now. We're going to be changed people seven days from today, but we're going to be more changed people six weeks from now. See, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. We're going to increase the workers. We're going to fall back in love with Jesus and let the good news to be good news so we make a difference and change this neighborhood change our spheres of influence, and eventually change our city, our state, and our world. Because a group of people decided to take the good news seriously. A group of people decided to say, no, Jesus is enough. There's nothing better. And I want everyone to experience it.
Let me pray for you. Father God, God, as we embark on this journey and as we pursue your gospel, God, remind us that the gospel isn't just for our salvation. The gospel is for our every day. God, that we have to be reminded of what you've done, what you're continuing to do, God, as you continue to work out our salvation. God, we thank you more than anything that you sent your son to the cross. God, if you do nothing else in our life, that is more, absolutely more than enough that I get to call you father and that you call me son. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your obedience. Thank you for your guidance. Thank you for your care. God, let this be a mark in time on our, our, our lives and our timelines, God, that we look back to and say, God did something here. In 2023, I almost got the year wrong, God. In 2023, in September and October, God changed my life because he, he helped me fall back in love with him. And he let the gospel be good news again. God, fight the enemy. God, the lies that we're going to try, that we're going to, try to believe, the, the sly lies that slip in, God, fight those lies for us. God, put your army of protection around us and around our minds. And God, as we start to feel ourselves slipping into those lies, God, bring community around us to correct us and to re-guide us and to remind us that the gospel is good news. God, and we're in those moments where we're grieving a loss of a part of who we are to, to gain the greater that you have for us. God, be with us in those moments. God, walk with us in those moments. God, when we screw up, and God, when we sin against our neighbor and we sin against you, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you that your death on the cross covers that sin as well. We love you. We give today and every day to you. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast. We hope it was helpful to you to become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church.